0: Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up? Uh, my name is Matt Bussey. I'm your host. And, uh, but just kidding. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review, sight and top greatest movies of all time. This microphone, uh, this is... Shit. Oh my god, it's so ugly and like I don't like it. And it just took me 20 minutes to untangle the cords and everything. It's so bad. Oh, god damn it. How is everybody doing? I am recording this during snow weekend in Philadelphia and I'm grateful that it snowed, but at the same time, I hate that it snowed because I hate the snow. I went to get a massage today and I was late because I almost got in several car accidents biking to get to the masseuse and you're probably thinking why the hell were you biking like there's snow on the ground because i'm crazy guys i'm crazy the other day it was freezing rain like literally the rain was freezing when it hit the ground i biked to work why because i'm crazy that literally came up in a meeting they were like why did you bike to work like that's really dangerous and i legit just said because i'm crazy there's no excuse i'm crazy anyway If you are crazy like me, uh, I recommend that you get a shrink. No, I'm just kidding. If you're crazy like me, live with it. You know, I mean, just don't be like, uh, you know, nefarious or anything like that. Don't, you know, don't be getting into some illegal dope shit. But I'm sorry. I'm also trying not to speak so so closely to the mic because this mic is uh, so crappy and it just took me 20 minutes to untangle all the goddamn cords from the goddamn mic. And I am shivering my bum off. Can a bum shiver? Oh, I guess I can. Like it, That's like twerking, essentially, right? Anyway, this is a pretty uh, interesting week of films. Uh, it is Paris-themed. Not the city Paris, but both films have Paris in the title. They're both very different movies. One's a doc. One's a nair. Narrative. 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 And um, both really phenomenal movies. But first, we are going to talk about the first one. It is a very acclaimed, very... Celebratory, but you know, sad, but also very hopeful and really, you know, important history movie, I would say. And I really hope more people learn about it and more people watch it after this review, which I know for certain I'm going to screw up because I, you know, always plan these things and then I end up shooting the shit. Uh, But uh, yes, this movie really does stick with you. It is so ahead of its time. It is. Paris is burning you have space to do all that you intend to this movie is about the ball circuit a competition among gay people under one roof it's like crossing into the looking glass a house, Their families, kids in broken homes or no home at all. My name is Angie Extravaganza and I am the mother of the house of Extravaganza. I'm Willie Ninja, the mother of the house of Ninja. Ninjas hit hard, they hit fast. We come out to assassinate. I am Pepper LaBeija, the legendary mother of the house of LaBeija. And I've been around for two decades, reigning that is. Some of them say that we're sick we're crazy and some of them think of we are the most gorgeous special things on earth they call them competitions <laughs> but believe me they're wars guess that's just the statement of the time. it speaks for itself a good old documentary you know like documentaries oh, do i like documentaries more than narratives no that's that's no that's not true it's good though i have not reviewed a documentary on this podcast in so long and when they are good they are friggin phenomenal this movie like shook me uh in a good way in a sad way in a happy way but in a way it gets its point across it is very effective it came out in 1990 it is essentially well first of all the title of the movie paris is burning has nothing to do with paris paris is burning uh was the name of a ball that is featured in the film essentially this is a documentary uh set in new york city and it follows uh the gay community, the the prefer mostly the African American and Latinx gay community in New York City and their lives and their participation at this ball and why they love to vogue. Voguing is a big part in this movie. Vogue, like the dance, vogue, you know? Um I am perhaps just very ignorant. I did not know that voguing was that big a huge an important dance perhaps i just didn't i it maybe it's a it's a it's a generational thing i unfortunately grew up when um voguing was not a thing but you would go to a dance and grinding the shit out of people was a thing which is kind of sad uh but yeah that's just uh, the town i grew up in so um yeah you know it's about that it is uh it's hard to like talk about this without, you know, it, it's hard to talk about why it's so good without first talking about what it really is about and why it is, you know, at the end of the day such a sad movie, uh, but an important one. Look, this is a vital movie because there are still to this day so many people, not just in America, in the world, who don't think that gay people or trans people or anyone who identifies as queer they don't think that they deserve human rights. They think that they are freaks and they don't deserve to be on this planet. I mean, WT friggin triple Fs. Fuckity fuckity fuck. It's sad, but it's true. And, you know, things have gotten a lot. And Excuse me if I sound redundant because there was a, well, I just overthink this. There was a, a movie, an LGBTQ movie I reviewed uh many, many episodes ago where I kind of said this. And I'm not trying to go on a rant here, but, you know, I kind of have to. Things have gotten a lot better in the world, of course. I mean, we have RuPaul's Drag Race. We, we have, you know, so many movies and so many things in pop culture where LGBTQ representation now does matter, and it is making such a big splash, and it is so good and so important, and so many people who identify as queer are feeling safe and comfortable and can come out and be themselves. And it's wonderful. It's amazing. But, you know, the truth, though, is that it still is not great all over the place. And it's so, it's so sad. It is. And, you know, especially in America. I mean, I'll try to stay out of politics here. It's not a political podcast. But, you know, we are going backwards, I think. And it's it's very sad. And I think what makes Paris is burning so... You know, significant all these years later, 34 years later, is you watch it and you go, wow, you know, things feel a lot better right now. Look at how scary it must have been to identify as queer in 1990 or, you know, the 80s. This is set in the 80s. Uh, It was filmed in the 80s, late 80s. It's frightening. It really is frightening. And you know, this is a movie that really makes you respect. Um, I mean, not that we should never respect. Of course, we should always respect uh, the LGBTQ plus A community. Apologies to, I keep going LGBT. I keep saying LGBTQ and LGBTQ plus A and LGBTQA and, you know, I keep using different multiple terms. So I do apologize if you're listening and I'm getting it wrong. I usually say LGBTQ plus A, uh, but... I lost track of what I was saying. It's an important movie. It's a really, really important movie. I encourage everybody to see it. But uh, I kind of gave it away anyway. And there's not really a plot because this is a uh, documentary. And I did not think about what would happen when I was rethinking about this podcast. What would happen if I review a documentary and there's not really a plot. So this doesn't really count. But anyway, here is the Plot Plots Plot Snops. This was directed by Jenny Livingston, who is still alive. She is... 61 years old? Oh, I thought she was. Oh, God, this isn't old. You see, here's the thing. This feels like a new movie, but it's not. It's actually very old. I don't really know how. It just. Oh, it does. This movie, it, it really. I, I really, really liked it. Okay, I'm getting ahead. I'm getting excited. This always happens. Paris is burning. Filming through the mid to late 1980s, this documentary explores the elaborately structured ball competitions in which contestants, adhering to a very specific category or theme, must walk, much like a fashion model parades a runway. The balls are viewed as sites for performance, fame, and exclusive celebrity status in the subculture of queer, black, and Latinx folks, who are rarely afforded the opportunity to exist in mainstream culture. Contestants are judged on criteria including their dance talent, the aesthetic beauty of their clothing, and the realness of their drag. For example, their ability to pass as a member of the stereotype, gender, or sex they are portraying. For example, the category Banji Realness comprises gay men portraying macho archetypes such as sailors, soldiers, and street hoodlums. Banji boys are judged by their ability to pass as their straight counterparts in the outside world. Much of the film alternates between footage of balls and interviews with prominent members of the scene, including, and these are the coolest names in the world, Pepper Lab- Lab- Labilla, I'm sorry, Dorian Corey, Angie Extravaganza, I just said that word, Extravaganza, and wi- Extravaganza, that's how you're supposed to say it, and Willie Ninja. <laughs> that's my favorite. Many of the contestants uh, vying for trophies are... Representatives of houses that serve as intentional families, social groups, and performance teams, as a vying or vying. I never get that right. Houses v y i n g. Sorry, houses are led by mothers, quote unquote, who are viewed as the best, most powerful, and maternal figure of their quote unquote children. Houses and ball contestants. Uh, Houses and ball contestants who consistently win trophies for their walks eventually earn legendary status. So the director, Jenny Livingston, she moved to New York after graduating from Yale to work in film and spent six years making Paris is Burning, but it actually took seven years for it to uh, come out because it was very low budget and it required a lot of funding and it finally did get released um she interviewed key figures in the ball world many of them contribute monologues that shed light on gender roles gay and ball subcultures and their own life stories the film explains how words such as house mother shade reading and legendary gain new meaning when used in novel ways to describe the gay and drag subculture i'm going to get to that in a second because shade is a huge word in this movie which I'll get to the houses serve as surrogate families for young ball walkers who face rejection from their biological families for their gender expression identities and sexual orientation. This is very much like that Ryan Murphy show pose. I think it did ran for two seasons. I watched the first season. It was pretty good. I'm not really a big Ryan Murphy fan, but uh, this uh, pose was a, um, was greatly inspired by Paris Burning. Like, I was watching this, and so much of it mirrors uh, what happens in Pose. So the movie, you know, it's only, um, it's like less than an hour and a half long, but it's a lot of interviews. It's a lot of monologues uh, with these people who go to the ball in Vogue. And I'm going to get into shade. I'm kind of going out of order. But you know how that phrase, throwing shade, is used so much? Well, my friends, my listeners, it originated... From this movie, but also in, you know, queer culture. Throwing shade is a queer term. So anyone who is homophobic, if you ever use that word, you're a hypocrite. Yeah, it's crazy. I did not know that. That's crazy. I don't really use that word a lot, shade. I, well, eh. What other word do I say? I'm usually just straight to the point. If someone is throwing shade at someone, I'm just going to say that person's being a dick. Go deal with it. You know, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know, throwing shade. But yeah, it all originated... In uh, this community. Pretty interesting. But everybody on screen, all the subjects on screen, they talk about AIDS, they talk about racism, poverty, violence, and homophobia. Um, Some of them, such as Venus Extravaganza, Extravaganza, uh, became sex workers to support themselves. And this is really crazy. This is so nuts. And I forgot, I had seen this movie months ago, like a few months ago, and I rewatched it and I forgot that this happened, but near the end of the film, uh, Angie Extravaganza, who was Venus's, quote, house mother, uh, finds out that Venus was found strangled to death. And she speculates that a disgruntled client killed her. Yeah. And to this day, this is like trivia with the movie, but to this day, the killer has never been found. And Venus Venus Extravaganza's case is basically, you know, close. It's so freaking sad. And there's also a moment in the movie where Venus says, you know, there was a guy trying to kill me. It could probably happen again. Oh, it's crazy. So everybody in this movie is just trying to survive. And they have to do things to survive that, you know are terrible like shoplifting or becoming a sex worker but they're people you know these are people whose own parents have disowned them when they came out as as gay or or trans or whatever and uh it's just sad it's sad because you know this is still going on there are still so many people who identify as this who you know feel like there's no escape but uh i'm uh, yeah it's, it's just, it breaks my heart. Um, some people, as we see, are, um, oh, I can't use the word. I, people don't use the word anymore. I don't like using the word. I don't use the word ever. And I don't think it's like really allowed anymore. But um, I'm not going to say it. The T word, transvest transvest uh, that word I don't like to use it I feel like it's offensive so I'm not going to say it but some people in the movie identify it as that some of them have undergone vaginoplasties some of them uh you know are trans they have a penis but they've gotten breast implants and the interviews are very very candid they talk about drag they talk about voguing I love this quote. I'm going to end the quote plot synopsis, even though this isn't really a plot synopsis, with uh, this quote that Livingston, Jenny Livingston, the director, said. She said that the film is not just about dance. Here's a direct quote. I really like this. This is a film that is important for anyone to see, whether they're gay or not. It's about how we're all influenced by the media, how we strive to meet the demands of the media by trying to look like Vogue models or by owning a big car. And it's about survival. It's about people who have a lot of prejudice, prejudices against them and who have learned to, survi- learned to survive with wit, dignity, and energy. The end. From the house of Estravaganza, mother of the year, keeping her children intact. Can we have Angie Estravaganza. White <laughs> class girl, Morgan Broadway. My birthday are coming, i always get a, a birthday gift from Angie. Or get one from my real mother. Like when I got thrown out of my house, Angie let me stay with her until I got myself together and I got working. And she always fed me. she can be a pain in the ass at times. But I wouldn't trade her for any other mother. You know, you have to have something to offer in order to lead. The mother usually becomes the mother because she's usually the best one out of the group. I'm Willie Ninja, the mother of the House of Ninja. Give him what he wants! I'm the mother of the House of Ninja because they say I'm the best vulgar out. To be the mother of the house, you have to have the most power. Take a real family. It's the mother that's the hardest worker, and the mother gets the most respect. As far as my naming my house, the House of Ninja, Ninjas hit hard, they hit fast, an invisible assassin, and that's what we are. We come out to assassinate. The House of La Beja is the legendary house above all of them. I have the most members, I'm the most popular. New York City is wrapped up in being La Beja. so it speaks for itself. It is a movie about survival. Survival. Survival is a big part in this film, and... You know, I said how this is a very positive celebratory film and it is. It's such a delight to watch all of these incredible individuals who finally have found a place where they feel welcome. And it is absolutely insane to think that they're, you know, I mean, it still goes on, but especially back in the day where to be gay was to basically be a, 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 a pariah, you know? I mean, it's so crazy to think that, these people were abandoned by their families and had to basically come to a city and get quote unquote adopted by people not legally though. So they had to just basically find other people who identified, you know, with them and live with them. It's insane. It's crazy. I mean, and like the anecdotes that you hear in the story, I can only imagine how back in the day when this came out, the amount of people who probably saw this movie and went, oh, yeah, that's sad, but, you know, it's they're gay, so they, you know, they, uh, they, they they, asked for it. You know, oh, God. I mean, you can only imagine the amount of people who thought that way. I mean, it's nuts. I grew up in the 90s. I was a dumbass in the 90s, uh, so I didn't really listen to what anybody said. But I do remember, you know, Gay culture in the 90s and even in the 2000s, even up until I got to college, it was like still so taboo, you know, it was always like, ooh, wink, wink, gay, you know, it was just such a like, people treated it like it was this, this weird thing. And I can even imagine, um, I keep saying only imagine, even imagine, I like imagine if Paris is burning came out, this is kind of a big question. Imagine if it came out in like 2002. Do you think it would have not had as big an impact as it does now? I don't think it would have. I think in the 2000s there was so much homophobia. It was it was it was common. It was socially acceptable, you know. I feel like if this came out in the 2000s, people would watch this movie and see the stories that, you know, these people talk about about uh having to, you know, go to sex work and having to risk their lives every day when they're, you know, they they get clients who discover that they have a penis instead of a vagina and then, you know, they get beat up or, or anything. You know, people who, you know, look male but identify as female and wear dresses and go in vogue and dance and, you know, just like to be silly. What, what, shut up. Sorry, someone's honking outside. Talking about a really important movie. Um... Would people have really taken this movie that seriously in the 2000s? I don't think so. I think that's why all these years later, Paris is Burning is one of the most ahead of its time movies uh, I've seen in a while. It is so brave. This is a -A B-R-A-V-E brave ass movie. And um, I... Son of a bitch is still honking. Can you believe that? There is snow on the ground, so whatever. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse you. Yeah. You know, and I think, like, there are a lot of interviews in this movie, a lot. It does go very fast. My uh, suggestion is really do your best to listen to what everybody has to say because a lot of it is very important. A lot of it, uh, a lot of what they say has a lot to it, it. it says a lot about femininity versus masculinity and about how, especially in the 90s and, you know, throughout, since the beginning of time, but, you know, masculinity, if if you look male, you're still perceived to act in a certain way. Like, there's someone, there's something that uh, somebody says in the movie about how, you know, to look like a man, a man's world to the common ordinary person is basically you have to be obsessed with football and the Super Bowl and games and everything. And that quote really, like, struck me because it's so freaking true. Everybody still has this perception that to be, quote, manly, you have to love sports and you have to be buff and you have to, you know, wear a backwards hat and, and look a certain way. It's so bonkers ridiculous. You can identify as male and not be into any of that shit, you know? It's like... I'm not into sports and people call me gay all the time. I'm not gay, but people always call me that because they see how I act. And it's like, why do you think because of the way I'm acting, you're perceiving that I identify as queer? It's insane. It is so friggin' insane and wild. And I think that this movie, I mean, it has not aged a day. Everything that everybody says in this movie is relevant to a R. I was going to say relevant to a T, but that doesn't make sense. BTS Secrets and Scandals! So, yeah, I already went a few, over a few of the true life drama that went into this movie. So, yeah, I did tell you about Venus Extravaganza's murder, which is shown on, er, not shown on screen, what am I talking about? No, discussed on screen at the very end. And I didn't even mention this, but, you know, what's really sad, devastating is how, um, you know, Venus's mother, Angie, in the film, talks about venus's death and angie is so calm and like emotionless and the way she explains it is very eerie because she explains it how it's kind of like nothing out of the ordinary you know she basically just goes yeah she was killed it's really sad and um you know it happens though and uh yeah you know yeah and nothing else to say it's like common for them you know it's common to just one day die of aids or get murdered just because of you know, your sexuality or how you dress or, you know, my friend agrees with me. That was that ding. They say, I agree with you. No, they don't. I just sent them a funny video of that I made years ago. Uh, I got a camera lens and it for Christmas and it was 15 bucks and my friend did not believe me. And you watch the movie and you can understand why it's 15 bucks because the quality is egregious. But, um yeah, it's sad. It's very sad. And tragically, I. this is crazy. As of 2020, several... Several of the people you watch on screen have since passed away. Many of them died of AIDS. Many of them lived long but died of AIDS later on, like in the 2000s. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I didn't even know this, but Angie Extravaganza died just a few years after this movie came out uh, of AIDS. Yeah, and you know, it's 1990, this is like the AIDS epidemic, so um, you can understand why this movie did make a big, uh, it was a big deal when it came out. It premiered at Toronto, Sundance, and Berlin, like I said, it did make, uh, it did uh, take basically over seven years to make. Their uh, Livingston recorded over 75 hour- hours of footage, and yeah, I feel like I'm missing something. That's pretty yeah. Throwing shade, I already got into. So yeah, not really. It's like the trivia for this movie, the secrets and scandals and whatnot. It's just very very sad. I don't know what else to say. The best moment. Oh, uh, <clears throat> why did I do that? That was stupid. Um, there are like two semi-short interviews with uh, a boy in the film, and I forget, uh, I believe he uses he, him pronouns in the film. I have to double-check. What is the name? I thought I wrote their name down. I did not write his name name down. I'm sorry if they don't use he, him pronouns. I'm really, really sorry. But I also just Googled 15-year-old boy from Paris is Burning, and I found a TikTok that said, these are the two kids from Paris is Burning years later, but I think it might be fake. I don't know. I don't want to trust it. Uh, anyway, this is my favorite moment because uh, there's a scene where these two... Ow, sorry. I have to... My leg is getting cramped. Uh, Livingston basically interviews these two boys, 15 and 13 years old, together on the street. the The most adorable looking kids, so happy and so out and proud... And it's such a wonderful moment, but then it is sad because one of the kids basically says, oh, I don't have a mom. No, my mom, like, is gone. I, I, live, uh, I live with someone here that I met, you know, in New York. And then the other one says, oh, yeah, my mom's still alive. But, you know, you know she doesn't like me anymore because of, you know, I like guys. So, yeah, the end. But just to see the joy on their faces to finally feel like they're in a place where they're welcome. It's great. It's a great moment. Mais est-ce que je suis d'accord avec les critiques de ce film So, I mean, it's kind of not surprising, but I think, you know, this movie has gained a cult reputation all these years later. I feel like back in the day, you know, I've read some of the reviews and they weren't like, I don't remember seeing this on like top 10 lists or anything like that. But again, because we are luckily living in a mostly better society now, I think a lot of critics have revisited this film and gone, huh, you know, that is a, that is a good, Audacious movie, you know. Kudos to Jenny Livingston for making this film. So I did find some reviews. Uh, Neil Smith from BBC.com called the movie a poignant, poignant. I can never say that word. Heartfelt tribute to a vibrant New York uh, subculture and its flamboyant acolytes. <clears throat> I particularly like that word because I love the word acolyte. That quote because I like the word acolyte. I'm sorry, I have to cough. Ugh. Just too much talking. Uh, Fernando F. Croce from Slant Magazine said, "The beauty of the film is Livingston's non-judgmental, accommodating camera." Yeah, the camera work in this film is great, and it is a very non-judgmental movie. I mean, she could have easily made this movie and made it look so, made the community look so bad, but there's never any judgment whatsoever. It's a very open, candid, uh, raw look glimpse into this community. And, uh, yeah, and the camera is very, very good. It is. It's good. A lot of colors, too. Like, a lot of colors. A lot of night shoots. And <sighs> New York City, man. In the 80s. I love New York City in the 80s And movies. Like, Tootsie is one of my favorite movies. Oh, it's so good. Vincent Can... not I love the New York setting in that. Vincent Canby from the New York Times said, There is a lot of common sense and natural wit behind the role-playing. Yet there is also a terrible sadness in the testimony. Yeah. Yeah, Kenneth Turan, Turan from Los Angeles Times said, uh, the film intercuts ball scenes with interviews with the participants in less hectic, more reflective moments. It is those personal, humanizing moments, much more than the hectic, eye-catching hubbub of performance that truly linger in the mind. I agree. The dance scenes are really cool. There is one like kind of quick sequence in this film where everybody is like voguing but breakdance voguing. It's like they're break they're voguing it, and then they just break out and do like the helicopter on the ground, not the hel the dance, the helicopter, not the hel. Sorry, I was thinking of a dirty joke. Not that helicopter, the other helicopter. You know what I mean? The dance, the helicopter dance. That's what break dancers do. You spin like that. Uh, Katie Walsh from Los Angeles Times called the movie wildly entertaining, deeply humanitarian, and fundamentally educational. Amen. Edu friggin' cational. Show this in schools. Seriously, show it. People in the South listening who are still homophobic. Well, F you and also show this movie to your kids. It's important. Hal Hinson from Washington Post called, uh, he said, they said, excuse me, I'm sorry, for the people in Paris is burning, dreaming is a refuge, their true home. Livingston's movie is a map of their private geography a moving topography of dreams. Yeah, it's their home. It's their home. It's literally their home. I mean, you got to also think about money. How were these people making money and surviving? Oh, man. Crazy to think about. It is insane to think about. Is it really one of the best movies of all time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is probably one of the earliest movies, at least that comes to my mind, that depicts the LGBTQA community in a good, uh, non-stereotypical, comprehensive way. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, you know, because, like, nowadays, again, it's like I said, it is much more acceptable. I mean, we have RuPaul's Drag Race. That's the only thing that comes to mind. I actually, and I don't watch RuPaul's Drag Race, and I don't actually know a lot of, you know, uh, are there, like, other drag shows that i don't know about why does it feel like i'm missing one i also am not familiar with rupaul i only actually remember rupaul because um uh they were in the brady bunch movie (laughs) they played the therapist the school shrink that um uh jan goes to when she's uh you know becoming a schizophrenic and wants to get her glasses uh removed from her face yeah not wear glasses anymore i'm sorry i said that weird it's like the glasses are glued to her face yeah, this is one of the best movies. Um, I watched it on Criterion Channel as of uh, when I'm recording this, which is in January. It is still on the Criterion Channel, and I believe it's on Max as well. It is, uh, you know, I hope I didn't scare anyone by saying how, you know, uh, deeply kind of sad and tragic this movie is. It, it is a sad movie, but it does. it is also a very hopeful, positive film. And I love a movie that goes against the norm and, you know, makes a statement loud and proud about something that is acceptable and should be acceptable, you know? So, yeah, highly recommend this movie. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode, and uh, I will see you next time. In the meantime, get your ass off the couch and go to the goddamn movies. I don't care if you're tired. Take a shot, Okay. Do you go to Trader Joe's? They have energy shots there. At least I think they're energy shots. I don't know. I haven't gotten them because they're always like ginger uh, uh, infused. And I don't like ginger that much. It tastes weird and it smells weird. I mean, I kind of like it in Japanese gnocchi. Japanese gnocchi is a really, really good food that I used to have and include in my dating apps. But nobody ever knew what it was. So I had to take it off. Okay. Just please go to the movies. Please go and support your local theater. Go support your cinema. Okay. And go support small movies because they need your help help okay it is so freaking cold bye you made it you made it you made it thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of i'm reviewing here new episodes drop tuesdays and fridays you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts feel free to follow me on instagram at i'm reviewing here you can also subscribe on youtube new episodes drop there the same day they drop on the podcast don't forget to subscribe please leave a review if you'd like be mean be nice hit on me I don't really care. Candor really, really is important to me and, you know, it helps the podcast too. So uh, I really hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is brought to you especially by Nervous Chuckles. That is my fake production company because I make people nervously chuckle all the time because they never know if I'm telling a joke or not. So they're always like, (laughs) oh, do I laugh? Do I not laugh? Is he serious? Is he insane? Did he get out of the the loony? What's going on? So if I made you nervously chuckle, then that means that I did my job and thank you. There is uh, no funding for this podcast, but if you want to give me money, then uh, yeah, like hit me up. DM me. Bye-bye.